I'm your host, Elizabeth, and this is For the Talkers. Hello and welcome. Happy Thursday. Thank you for joining us here at For the Talkers. I am Elizabeth, your host. And this season is Knowledge Bomb, in case you didn't know. So today I'm joined by the one and only, because you've never heard from her ever before, Miss Grace. She has her master's in social work, thus knowing a decent amount just about grief and like some of the sad things that can come along with that. So I thought she would be great to talk about that. And we have this really cool experience to go to a comfort camp for kiddos who have lost someone in their immediate circle. I'm going to link like the article about the camp because it's really cool and it was like just really informative. I read it too. I thought it was interesting. So I will link that. And then, yeah, just happy Thursday. Thank you for being here. Um, remember to rate, review, share, etc., etc. I feel like I haven't said it in a while, so I'll just remind you guys. It really helps me out to get episodes out to people who wouldn't normally see it otherwise. So means a lot. I'm really trying to grow. So thank you, everyone who has already done that. That means so much to me. So hello, Grace. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Okay. We have a nice outline here we tried to record this episode the other day but it was kind of weird just because HIPAA kind of things where not knowing what the perfect lines were on what to share about the kiddos because of course we just want to tell you every story we heard and share with you the the vulnerability and greatness of these kiddos And we want to be respectful to them. So that was kind of a hard line to walk. And so I think we have it down pretty good. So I think we're, I think we're good. I think we should start with our happy, funny sads. What do you think? Okay. Who's going first? Um, who wants to, I can go first. And these are happy, funny, sad moments from camp. So my, I'm going to start with my sad which is the kiddo that I got assigned to had a lot more going on than just her grief. And I think that was really just, it was sad to me because she really kind of was struggling a lot and that was just hard to see. And it also made me sad that I hadn't been able to prepare better because in my mind I was just preparing to help a kiddo in their grief, which I did prepare for. So that was great. And then she came and and kind of had some like hard things at school and hard things at home and I didn't feel as prepped to help with those so that made me a little sad but my funny is that well first of all I just have to give a shout out to Kieran she was one of our healing circle helpers and she was so funny amazing one-liners just killing the game she was super funny and then we were at the lake and all the people who got in it had to have a life jacket on. And so a camper had a life jacket on and they were just like canoeing. So I don't think they like really put it on very well. And then they like jumped in the water and we were looking and the life jacket up by their head, like 
just this square and you could just see their eyes and it just it was so funny and like we weren't super far away but we were far away enough that it was funny yeah like the bottom of the life jacket that's supposed to be on your chest was like pretty much at her nose <laughs> like just way above uh, her head. yeah and then my happy was just going with grace it was so perfect and she works with kiddos for her job I don't, not even close. So it was just really cool to see her interacting with the kids and to also see like other adults interacting with her and just to see who she is and the great person that I get to know. Like it was just fun to see that shared with other people. So that was my happy. And it made me really happy to have her there because new things and new people like scary that makes me very anxious so just like seeing her every now and then as we were walking from different activities was just what i needed so it was great okay i like those my happy funny sad also from camp my happy it's very similar mine was having elizabeth with me at the camp we were not in the same healing circle but we were in the same cabin so it was really nice to like end the night and be able to like talk to your life partner and feel comforted at night so that was really nice and then also getting along with my little buddy like by the end of camp she asked like oh are you gonna come here next year and be my big buddy again so that felt good to like connect with them my funny elizabeth will appreciate this too oh, man. was um one of the questions that we asked one of the kiddos for like an icebreaker before one of our healing circles was like if you could have a secret society what would it be and this kid is like, I don't know, 11 or 12. I can't remember. And I thought this answer was just amazing. It's <laughs> so creative. He wanted to have a secret society of people that only like pickles. Period. So pickled chips, pickle, plain pickles, pickles and sandwiches, literally everything. He's like, you're not allowed into the society unless you have an appreciation and love for pickles, which I would not I be I would invited. be first person at the door to get in. Yeah. Not me. Clausen pickles Ugh. till the day I die. Life hack for pickle lovers: buy Clausen pickles. They're really expensive, and then <laughs> once you eat them all, buy a cucumber and cut it up and put it in there, and then they taste just about the same as Clausen pickles. Amazing. Anyways, so yes, that was my funny. Yeah, I thought that was awesome. awesome. Yeah, just like this little kiddo. And then my sad is not like a super deep sad. It's the fact that. We got to camp and the first dinner, the first night was so good. It was was so good. And then every other meal after that was like literally a three or four out of 10 at most. Like they were yucky. Like, yeah. And I can like most times, even if I don't like food, I'll eat it and I'll be okay. Which I did. I ate it because I knew that I needed to have energy because we were jam packed schedule. But man the pizza was yucky oh the, the lettuce pizza. was like wilted and yucky for the salads well they kept reusing like the same ones i was like <laughs> bestie i saw you put that same exact bowl out and at lunch like, don't use it for yeah. lunch the next day yeah i think they had some good french toast one morning but it all went downhill really quickly and so it was like a false hope of like oh wow food's actually gonna be really good and then yeah they should have started with the pizza and ended with that last (laughs) that first meal so that was my sad is that and the problem was was, is we had three meals a day and we were going from seven to ten 
And so it was like. Seven to 11. Yeah. So you were hungry. You were so hungry. And then it was. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. You want me. So rundown of camp. So people kind of can imagine what we were. Yes. Where we were. What it looked like. Yeah. Rough agenda. Do you want me to kind of go over that? Yeah, go for it. We were in Park City area. So very pretty. like up Big Canyon. Yeah. Very beautiful. There's a man-made lake. Um, trails to go hiking, cool yurts, a big barn that we met at for meals, a turf lawn mm-hmm. that we did basketball lot of our courts, on. pickleball courts, like really, really cool, obviously kid oriented camp. Oh yeah. So when we first got there, Elizabeth and I were like really impressed. We we're like, Oh wow, this is amazing. Um, so that's kind of like the actual environment environment. Yeah. And our cabin technically called yurt things like had bathrooms in them yeah, and like showers. Like I and thought that was really cool. Yeah. Like it's not like we were in like some <laughs> tent and yeah. like it was very nice and they treated yes. us very well. Yes, absolutely. Um, And then for like, as far as like the actual outline of camp, like we said, we were going from 7am to 11pm just, and it was like transition to activity after activity after activity like it was awesome and it was great for kids right that's super awesome for me where i get tired and i thrive on eight nine ten hours of sleep i was a little rough but yes so as far as like what camp kind of looked like with our groups so overall there were like 50 kids and then they split us up into age groups so you're paired with your little buddy in what you call as the healing circles so that's kind of who you hung out with there was only like what i don't know 15 Six. people Oh, yeah. In yeah. the gr- in the whole healing circle. If that, yeah. Yeah, they so were, it was like they small. They kept them pretty small, which is And nice. so you did activities with them, and then you also did the healing circles, which were essentially just groups where you process grief and told stories and talked about things, and those were really emotional. Those yeah. were some heavy moments. Um, and I think there were, what, a total of four healing circles, and they're hours long. Yeah. Like hour to three hours, depending on the day. Yeah. It's like we had one the first day two the second day and then one the last day. Mm-hmm. And it just gives kids an opportunity to grieve and process. So it was a really good balance of like activities and fun and then also serious time of like, OK, let's talk about what happened and yes. let's process it. Yeah, absolutely. So that's the overall of camp. Yeah, that's kind of what we did i didn't want to go into it too much just because i feel like it'd be boring but i, I do have the schedule <laughs> i can tell you what we did every hour of every day no, I think but i just want to share some like thoughts that i had on camp and then we'll get into a little bit more about grief i thought the cabins were good like i said however my bunk mate because <laughs> we the kiddo that we got paired with slept on the bunk bed so they would sleep on the top and then the big kid would have the bottom and there were 12 of us all in our cabin year so six bunks right yeah so every time she moved which was a million (laughs) hundred times it would wake me up and i am a heavy heavy, sleeper heavy sleeper so it really irritated elizabeth woke up that means it was like earthquake and i was (laughs) i was angry just kidding angry and dramatic but it's like when I get woken up in the middle of the night, of course, I'm going to be like, oh, what the heck? Well, it was just hard, too, because we needed that sleep those two nights and because it's a jam-packed day. And so to have it be interrupted was pretty hard. Yeah. I'm actually a light sleeper. I packed earplugs and I was out because I was so tired. Well, that was the problem because then the second night I did the earplugs and it was much better, but it was like the movement. Like, it's literally right. shaking the bed. You can't stop that. Yeah. Also, we 
we're supposed to do a bonfire on Saturday night and it ended up like pouring rain. And so they just improvised and it was really awesome. I thought they demonstrated resilience really well. Yeah. And it still ended up being because the bonfire was like the emotional part. Mm. Right. And they still did a really good job to like capture that. And then I thought that we spent I don't I don't necessarily want to say too much, but I just feel like we spent a lot of time with our healing circle groups. Obviously, like that's an easy way to split people up and say, oh, get in your healing circle. I just thought there were so many people there and I would have loved to meet a few more. And they didn't really foster that as much as I would have preferred. But that's just totally me. And then I just wanted to share this one story. So we were in our healing circle doing an activity, whatever. And the lady asked a question and no one said anything. So I raised my hand and I started to share a thought. And then one of the other big buddies interrupted me. And I was just like, okay, whatever. Like, it's not a big deal. I didn't really care. But if you know, Elizabeth, interruption is hard. (laughs) It was toward the end of my thought. So I was kind of just like, okay, "Okay, that's fine. But yes, of course. And he's like this old guy. And so I was like, hey, I know I'm small and young and tiny and just a little woman, but I, I'm important and the one of the actual like camp employees who I just thought did an amazing job oh, at all so of camp actually just said oh she was talking and let me finish my thought and I just thought that was really great and I just think that really shows like the people who were putting on camp demonstrate what they're trying to teach these kiddos super super well so I thought that was just a really cool thing and then I had actually the like founder of the program, mm-hmm. yeah, my is, healing circle she's leader. Really amazing. So that was really awesome. It just was a great experience. She's just, she's so cool. So I just felt really grateful to have that. And then basically my last thought is just like, I felt like sometimes the big buddies wouldn't stop talking and it was like, hi, this is the camp for the kiddos. And it wasn't, it was not a lot. There were just a few times that I was like, oh, I feel like some of these kids would be talking more if you weren't. And I think as adults, like we have the need to like fill silence. And this was just a great opportunity that if we didn't, that the kiddos might have. So those were my thoughts. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah, actually, my um, healing circle had one of my coworkers and my boss. So that was really interesting because <laughs> yeah. we heard about it through Intermountain who I work for and they heard about it too. And they're just amazing guys. And so they came along. Um, but my healing circle leader actually made it clear. This is for the kids. And so if you want to chip in, yes, absolutely. That being said, the talking should be done by the kiddos. And so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, uh, what else? My, (laughs) my hair was really greasy (laughs) the whole time we were there. Just thought I would point that out. Well, I tried to take a shower negative 400 degrees (laughs) i was like no i'm too grumpy for this i was yucky and didn't shower the whole time we were there because i couldn't do it and i just felt like i was gonna feel gross anyways oh yes yes so that was one thing um we did go to bed late and get up early which was kind of hard for me especially because i do work kind of a weird schedule so adjusting my sleep schedule so quickly was hard there was this really cool big swing that you could like harness yourself well not I didn't do it. Like She's the like workers, strap it in. <laughs> no, the workers like harness you in, and then you swing like how high? Like 
high. Like what? 20 feet? 30 feet? Well, yeah. Because not peak only. Height? Right. Because like you climb up a ladder so you're straight and then they pull you back with a rope. So now you're like 90 degree facing the ground and then you get released and, and swing whoosh. to the other side. Yeah. So you end up getting pretty high. And it was really fun. So I went and did that. So that was really fun. The teenage girls in my group <laughs> were obsessed with glitter and makeup the whole time we were there. But they were also obsessed with just screaming for no reason. Like I witnessed they're, it. They're just times. in that phase where if attention, you know, is you know whatever but we would just be in the cabin and all of a sudden just scream <laughs> like for no reason like, so okay, that was like cool. interesting and i forget like i was a teenager i was <laughs> oh, annoying but yeah. oh my goodness so that and then i think that's it i think that's my overall reports yeah. i actually really liked camp it was really hard and i think if we go again we could prepare a little bit more to like be busy and be yeah. you know and maybe have it i don't know yeah, but. I think my main thing, too, was just, like, most of the big buddies had already done one camp. So I felt a little bit like, I'm the new beginner. And, like, even the campers. Like, most of the campers have done this exact camp in the exact location before. So my, like, imposter syndrome, I'm just like, oh, like, I don't belong here. Like, everyone else already has done this. They know what they're doing. So, yeah, going back a second time, totally different feel for sure yeah i do just want to plug like i think this was an amazing program it's a really amazing resource for these kiddos yes to yes if make you know friendships anyone, oh yeah like any kids that have lost someone this it's really is a good team and it's free for campers yeah, yeah. and they offer a few different weekends so yeah that and they do nice it not too. only just in utah yeah they do it outside There's i think like california like new jersey a couple other states um, but it was really cool. And I think it was really good for you and I. And oh, yeah. I'm, I'm super glad I went. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So when we were at camp, like Grace said, and we did these healing circles, we got to see these this grief in these kiddos who, you know, I was with, I think, 10 to 11 and you were with like 12 to 13. So we were in kind of similar age ranges. So young kids and the reason they were there was because they'd lost someone. That's kind of like one perspective of grief, you know, kids and losing someone in your immediate circle. And I think that there's more, right? You can, the perspective from adults is going to look a lot different from kids. The perspective from grieving, maybe not a person, but a job or an opportunity or something like that. And I also think we can just like grieve in a lot of different ways. So I'm I'm interested to hear what you've prepared to tell me about that and tell us about grief. And uh, hopefully we could end with some tips on like how to grieve and how to help others grieve. Because I think that was a big part of camp too. Of just like some of these kids had been really hurt from what people would say to them like, oh, well, you're way better off now because, like, they were a burden or, like, well, they they must be feeling so much better now that they're yeah. not here. And it's, like... Just harmful statements. Right. And I, yeah, there was a theme of that in my group, too, which yeah. was really sad. Or yeah. just right. feeling like people just felt sorry for them. Yes. Just, like, yeah. pity rather than, like, you know, and so... Yeah, so let's let's talk about that. For, first, tell me, like, what what is grief? What can grief look like? 
Yeah. So like you said, at camp, these kids were amazing. They told their stories about their loved ones and they remembered them. And it was so cool to see them be so vulnerable in the way that they were grieving a loved one. That being said, grief can be beyond just that. Like, so from camp, the perspective was like sadness, like following a loss. But grief can be just basically what you thought was going to happen is no longer going to. So it can be, you know, a vision for yourself that, you know, is not going to happen anymore. Um, Yeah, a job loss or, you know, just anything that you prepared for something and it didn't happen. Okay, now you have to grieve what did not happen. So that doesn't have to always be a loved one. And so I think, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I just wanted to share, I think in... I don't remember if it was part one or part two of the episode that I did with my mom. She actually touched on that because I'm dating a girl and that wasn't something that she had. What what phrasing did you say? Like like that wasn't her expectation. What planning, she planned on. Yeah. Yeah. She she planned on something else. And so she had to grieve the, the other previous thing. image. Yeah. And she actually said that to me like before I even thought about that. She was like, yes. I had to grieve what I thought you were going to do, what I thought you were going to be like, whatever. And then now we're here. And so I just, I think that's so cool. (laughs) I wish I had a better word, but just that when something doesn't happen, some people choose not to grieve, I think. Yeah. And that can be really hurtful to them and, and people around them because then they're, they're kind of stuck. So as, as, as hard as grieving is, I think it's a process we all have to go through in some extent all the time. Right. No, and that's actually a good segue into like what grief actually is. Yeah. So there are like the five stages of grief that most people are aware of. Not all. Um, Enlighten us though. The first one is denial. So that's usually something bad happens. You lose something, you know, whatever, whatever. And in your mind, you just, nope. Like, you're not ready to accept it. It didn't happen. Normally, you go numb, whatever. And this actually helps you survive the initial loss. Like, it really is your body's way of fighting off such a difficult thing. We can't process this right now. Let's put it on pause. Right. So, an example is, like, you get diagnosed with a fatal disease or whatever. And in your mind, you're like, oh, no, they mixed up the blood work. Like, that's not me. And that sounds silly, but, like, that is your initial thought. And that's your body's natural reaction to prevent you know whatever (laughs) is coming spontaneous combustion right um but once this like denial starts to wear off that's when the healing like actually begins and then that's when you move into the stage of anger so that's usually just super mad at the event so a lot of common responses are like why me why did this have to happen Mm -hmm. to me out of all the people in the entire world like why did this happen me you know just the anger of like you know, you know, when you say like, oh, I can't even imagine. Right. And now <laughs> here you are and you're mad. Yeah. Yeah. And so like kind of what you were saying, if you allow yourself to feel that anger, the more quickly it will pass. Hmm. So the more you stay in that denial phase and pushing it away, the longer it will take for you to get through because we're only on, you know, phase two and there's five. <laughs> right. And then another thing that's good to know about anger is a lot of times that anger is actually what draws you back to reality or starts that connection with others. Like realizing getting past that denial and starting the anger, you're starting to like 
kick in like oh yes this is real okay maybe i should start talking to people whatever whatever it usually initiates that like connection Mm -hmm. and back to reality yeah that makes sense and then once you get out of anger that's when you kind of start bargaining so it's the idea of like you know if you're a religious person and you pray to god like oh i will be perfect for the rest of my life as long as you bring this person back or i will never do this ever again (laughs) as long as you help me pass this test or whatever you know like that's when like all that starts to kick in and it's kind of like that false hope right Mm. of like maybe if i do this then this will happen whatever it's really common like you were saying with like an illness like oh if i go volunteer every single day then my tests will be clear yeah and then something that comes along with that is like guilt so that's when like a lot of the what ifs start to kick in what if i just left five minutes earlier Uh, what if you know what if i had done this what if i encouraged them to go to the doctor what if you know it's really easy to play that game and it's really common with grief is especially if it is you know a hard loss or or if you feel like it's your fault like a job loss oh if i had just submitted this earlier if i you know yeah that's really common when you're in that stage of grief of bargaining it's just i could have done this i could have done that guilt all those i just have a question to interrupt you really quick um what can we do if we're in that stage like of the what if yeah if we're just like what if what if what if that's probably our initial thought so do you have something that we can combat of like secondary thought or you know a thing we can do I mean my immediate thought is just a therapeutic approach of like that's a cognitive distortion like that's not true that's not real and so finding evidence for it which can be really hard when you're in that stage but that's what therapy does right when you go see a therapist for cognitive behavioral therapy, that's typically typically what they're going to do. They're going to identify your like core belief behind the event Mm -hmm. and then combat that belief with evidence. So you believe, okay, even if I had left five minutes earlier, this would have still happened. Or they were doing cut, cutbacks. So even if you submit that thing, it wouldn't have changed the outcome. Mm -hmm. And so just coming to that harsh reality Or, you know, maybe telling yourself a narrative or, you know, whatever it may be. But that is a good, you know, reminder that therapy is okay. Well, I was just going to say, like, you can't really do that with your own brain. Like, you can't really trick your own brain. You need someone else to put those thoughts in and and bring those thoughts and strike up those um, different pathways like you're saying it's yeah it's not no, really realistic to be like therapist you silly little girl yes. that's not real exactly <laughs> no and as a therapist like that's pretty much what i do is i just help these people realize you know whatever is going on if it's grief if it's just any sort of struggle most of it comes down to a core belief that's false mm, just i love that identifying so it good. rewriting that narrative mm. to be more positive me and Grace say that a lot. Um, I think about like people talk about like healing your inner child. And I think that kind of relates in just a sense of like, yes, growing up, you write these narratives. And then when you become an adult, you decide what you like and what you don't pretty much. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And you have I the just, power to rewrite it. Yeah, I just love that phrase. Rewrite your narrative. In the episode last week with Nicole, we kind of talked about that, like with like critical thinking, like you really have to think about, okay, why am I doing this? What, what's fueling this? Why am I not doing this? Like 
Yeah, I love that. Okay, yeah. next stage. Next one is depression. And this one is like the really hard stage. It's where you get bogged down, you get in a fog. You think, what's the point of continuing? You know, just all those like depressive, just, you know, you're you're in a depressive state. I think one thing that's hopeful is to remember it's not forever. Like it is a temporary thing. That doesn't mean it won't come again because grief comes in waves. Um, but it will pass and you will move on. Well, I do want to just jump in again with that thought of it comes in waves. I've heard things that like these are stages and they don't necessarily happen in this order. Have you heard that? What's your thought on that? Like going through the stages in a linear order. Is right. What you're saying? Right. I've heard things that it's like, oh, we actually see that no it's not always denial first maybe it's depression first and then you get angry and then you go into denial there's yeah there's no right way to grieve it's just how you do it obviously we encourage healthy grieving (laughs) right (laughs) if you're going to do harmful or unhealthy behaviors that's not ideal that being said you know if yeah if you go into a depression right away Okay, it's not like you have to reroute your brain to <laughs> start with denial. <laughs> okay, this is just yeah, like that's what I was evidence-based, asking. like typically how grief happens. That being Which said, makes sense. It makes sense for the denial to be the first thing. Like, yeah. That being said, though, I did read that one in three people actually respond to loss just straight resilience. So interesting. And I, and I actually saw that with some of the kiddos at camp. Is yeah. Some of them had no problem talking about their family. So as someone who would never respond in that way, someone, I'm very emotional. I'm very, I feel things. When I hear that, my my immediate response is, no, they're just putting up a thing. They're just being tough. So are you saying like one in three people genuinely just say, okay, like just, it's okay. Like it just. Yeah. So they might jump to acceptance, which what? is the last stage, Yeah. which is not the idea of like, my husband died and it's okay or my partner died and it's okay it's my partner died comma i will be okay (gasps) so it's the difference of like the event was not okay yes but i will be okay despite what happened so and one in three people can do that which is that's a lot it's a lot but i think that's a essential part to educate people on too is like i think sometimes people experience guilt for not being sad oh absolutely right like if you have like you know a death of a family member that maybe wasn't direct family and it doesn't affect you that much and you know your cousin is severely affected like and then everyone's coming up to you be like you must be so sad i'm so sad and you're like um am i yeah yeah so some people can go straight to acceptance they say okay uh, you know this event was not okay but i will be okay <gasps> i'm like gonna write that down that's so <laughs> that's so good that's like just making me feel so much because that's that's i mean ideally like i would live to be able to do that when hard things happen losses happen we have to grieve to just be able to say that like i can be okay that's really powerful yeah so you don't even necessarily have to say like you know the event is okay but just right. knowing that you will be. Yeah. Um, and so there, that being said, there will be good days and bad days. You may be hit with a wave of grief that you weren't anticipating because unfortunately grief is not just something that you check off a list and you're done. Like grief is a lifelong process that you will experience 
most likely forever. Will it get easier? Will it get lighter? Probably. But there will still be times when it, it hits and it, it's, yeah. you know, maybe it sends you right back into the beginning or you hit depression or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. So that, and then there's this guy named David Kessler. He's a really educated um, mental health guy. Okay. And he came up with a sixth step of grief. So when you say came up with, did Meaning he do studies? Did he look at studies? No. Did he just... It's more of like a book. Okay. So it's All like, right. you know, when people, you know, write books on like how to rewrite your, like so rewire your like brain. It's like a self-help right. type. Okay. All and right. And so that being said, his f- area of focus is grief. So he oh, does, okay. like, All right. he's got the credentials and the stuff to back up what yes. he's talking about. Yes. But he's not like, I studied 400 people no. and I found... Okay. I mean, maybe. <laughs> I'll be transparent in saying that, like, I didn't find out the nitty gritty on David Kessler. It's not like you. I just yeah. looked at his book. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, not to grill you. Yeah. <laughs> but he says that the sixth step is finding meaning in the loss. So this... Can sometimes where, where does this step fall? What do you mean? Did he say it falls anywhere in the line with the other steps? Six. Or oh, <laughs> whoops! Imagine having a brain. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Um, <laughs> so basically, he's saying like, what are you going to do in result of this loss? So if you lost a job, okay, does that mean you're getting a new one? Does that mean you're starting a new business? Like, what are you going to do in result of this? It creates that closure and that remembrance in a way that allows you to fully, I mean, maybe fully heal and move on is not the right phrase, but like find meaning and move on and process more of what happened to you. Right. Because if you just ended at acceptance, it's like, like you were saying, I will be okay. It's like, okay. And then what? Or like how? So I like that. Yeah, and so a couple quotes that I got from him that I, sorry, excuse me, that I thought like really illustrated what he was saying. The first one says, your loss is not a test, a lesson, or something to handle, a gift or a blessing. Loss is simply what happens to you in life. Meaning is what you make happen. Mm-hmm. The next one is, healing doesn't mean the loss didn't happen. It means that it no longer controls you. Oh. So you're, you're, you're getting back in the driver's seat, right? Yeah. You're, you're finding your meaning. You're, you're figuring out what you need to do going forward. And then, um, this one kind of given that we we're talking about camp, I included this one too. Ultimately meaning comes through finding a ways to sustain your love for the person after their death while you're moving forward with your life. And so I think mm-hmm. it's really common to think like, you know, an example is you lose a partner and then you get remarried. Like a lot of people think like, oh my goodness, you can't remember your... You didn't your even pr- care about right. them. But you can, you can move on and you can start a new life and still remember the event or the person or whatever it may be. Because and you're, you're not finding saying, oh, it's okay that they died. Yeah. You're saying, that sucked. That was terrible. And I can be okay. And yeah, oh. I love that. That's like that's like clicking little puzzle pieces because right. you're finding meaning. Yeah. And I think kind of like you're saying, when you don't think about grief, yeah, if you see someone who gets remarried really fast after a death, you might be like, geez, but maybe they're that one in three where grief comes naturally to them of just moving right along to acceptance and being able to find that meaning. So that's really cool. 
Yeah. And I think we talk about this a lot. Like, um, I, I tell you some phrases like distress tolerance or whatever, and it just puts a definition to an act. And I think this is why the sixth step is so valuable because it puts words to moving on without making it sound insensitive. Absolutely. So instead of saying, oh, I moved on and got a new wife, <laughs> it's, oh, I found meaning. Uh, and I, so it just, yeah. it changes the narrative. Yeah. It changes the definition and just like makes it more in tune with what's actually going on. Yeah. We were talking about that the other night because we all have these like feelings and emotions. We have maybe things we do, but when someone else can put those into words, it just, it can really click and and heal honestly make a lot of sense i think i talked about that when i talked about like the energy types saying i'm a type three and some of those type three attributes like those really click with me and those those have helped me to fall into myself more and be myself and so i love that when we can find words and labels and meanings and phrases that can almost heal us in a way like you're saying and not put a negative connotation on things that don't need it Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. I feel like I interrupted you. Did we go through all the steps? So it's yeah. Let's see if I remember this. Is my quiz: denial, anger, ang. Oh wait, I said anger. <laughs> <laughs> Bargaining, depression, and, and acceptance. And acceptance. Okay. And then yeah. What's the last one? Oh, uh, finding meaning. Yes. I did. We t- did we chat about acceptance or is it pretty cut and dry well i guess we did about the the um go to med days um lifting from your fog engaging with friends and family again new relationships growing and moving into your new reality and then that's when the sixth step comes in i love it that's perfect so when someone in our lives is grieving something or someone what can we do as friends and family I think sometimes that can be kind of awkward for some people, like not knowing what to do, not knowing what to say. And as we mentioned before, we heard from these kiddos of harmful things that have been done. So what can we do? Yeah. And I think you're exactly right. I think a lot of people avoid the topic and that's unfortunately really common with all of mental health is just, you know, if we don't talk about it, then it's not a problem, which is (laughs) just so incorrect. Yes. But the first step is just acknowledging and sitting with the grief. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, your friend lost someone like what are you supposed to do? Never talk about it. I promise they want to talk about the event or they want to talk about the loved one. So sitting with the grief, acknowledging it and it can be, you know, coming from a place of empathy, not sympathy. So like we talked about not feeling sorry, not statements of, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. Like, yes, can you say that? Absolutely. That being said, there are other statements, you know, such as like at grief camp, you know, I I asked a lot of kiddos like, wow, that was really hard. How do you remember your mom? Or statements like that, that that acknowledge the grief. Like, wow, yeah. Can you say like, you are so strong. Like like what you said, like, oh, that's so hard. Not not using the word I. Yes, avoid using I for Not necessarily talking about the person like in any of your sympathetic statements right you don't need to say anything about them oh well they're probably not in pain anymore oh well you'll see them again one day like not saying stuff like that 
Yeah, and that that segues into the next thing is like honestly, your presence is the best thing you can offer. Mm. So avoid advice, avoid statements from your perspective. Just sitting with the grief, acknowledging the grief, having a presence there is often what the individual needs. Mm. And so, like you kind of said, a lot of it's natural to want to fill silence or that feel the need to say something because it's awkward and uh, I don't know <laughs> what to do. Uh-huh. Sit with it. It's yeah. really hard and it's a skill that not a lot of people have, but it's it's really beneficial and it's really healing to just be that presence. And it's just, okay, I'm here with you right now. And that sometimes that's all they need. Yeah, and absolutely. And so um, actually David Kessler has a quote that like really, I think, kind of explains it really well. So he says, each person's grief is as unique as their fingerprint. But everyone has in common is that no matter how they grieve, they share a need for their grief to be witnessed. This doesn't mean needing someone to try to lessen it or reframe it for them. The need is for someone to be fully present to the magnitude of their loss without trying to point out the silver lining. So we don't need to point out, oh, they're probably not in pain anymore. Oh, whatever. Just be present. Like, be there for them in that moment. Avoid advice. Avoid I statements. Acknowledge the grief. And then... Like, bring over some cookies and just sit. Yeah. Or, you know, look through pictures with them or whatever you need to do to help them remember. Well, and I was going to say, how can we do this maybe for someone we don't live close to? Or, right, so maybe some of the only ways to be with them is, like, a phone call. So how do you call and not say anything? So so do you think there's any statements that are, are okay to say, maybe, like, over a text or a voicemail or something? Yeah, and I don't, I don't want to make it seem like I'm like, you can't do this, <laughs> you can't do that. No, not, not at all. I just really value our, your opinion, and I'm curious to know, like, if you were in this situation, what would you say? Honestly, I think I would say something like thinking about you with a heart. I would make it as simple as that. Yeah. Knowing that I'm aware, but I don't make them feel obligated to respond. I don't make them feel obligated to explain themselves. I don't make them feel obligated to reach out. Because, you know, those texts are like, let me know if you need anything. Uh, You're not going to. No. And so sometimes. Or like they have questions in them or they're seven paragraphs long and yeah and actually um i have a co-worker who's going through something right now and i sent a text that just said thinking of you heart i'm gonna check in in two weeks oh, so just letting yeah. them know this is what i'm going to be doing and when i text them in two weeks i have a reminder in my phone so <laughs> i don't actually forget yeah and i'll just say hey thinking about you again um don't respond if you don't need anything, but I'm here or something like yeah. that. So it just yeah. like takes that pressure off Absolutely. and lets them know that you're thinking of them and you're aware of them. I like that. That's great. So something like that. Great. So mm. that those are great ways to help someone else. Do you have any tips, you know, as a therapist um, for someone who is going through grief themselves? Maybe things to try and lean into maybe things to maybe stay away from a little you know anything along those lines yeah um my first thought is self-compassion i think we're in a culture enemy (laughs) i think we're in a culture where grief is not honored you know like even in my ihc work day you get two days of funeral (laughs) leave or something ridiculous right Yeah. yeah and so honor it yourself like if you're in a job or a culture or whatever it may be that doesn't honor it, okay, have that self-compassion to 
set that boundary and and feel it yourself honor it yourself that being said like if you do experience a big loss avoid like big changes i think Mm. when we're in that headspace of hurt and anger and denial and you know depression bargaining all those things you might be tempted to sell something or you know what i mean Mm. avoid those changes until you've had time to like actually grieve and process what happened yeah just because our brain isn't quite functioning in logical yeah, mode we're yeah. in survival mode really yes. truly and so it doesn't make sense to make big changes in survival mode because once you get back into logical you might look back and be like oh boy <laughs> you're yeah. back in your 16 year old brain and who made any good decisions when they were 16 right. <laughs> um yeah so compassion being vulnerable being vulnerable is so hard and it's it's not easy and it's not your first instinct that being said it really does help it's a big you know just stepping stone into actually getting through and processing what happens go into that more like being vulnerable with yourself with others like yeah just being willing to say yeah this happened to me and even these kids that were willing to say okay i want to go to camp and i want to talk about it like taking those steps kind of saying like reaching out for help letting people help if they want to getting into therapy you know individual therapists you can find therapists that's like their uh focus is literally grief you can get into grief groups i think there's something to say about connection you know if you lose a partner and then you find someone who lost also lost a partner they can connect with you in ways that other people can't they can you know get all those small things that other people just don't get that you might not even have to say right like the unwritten things are out there without you having to verbally say them and i think that was one of the big things at camp all these kiddos had something in common and they all just kind of got it a little bit more than everyone else and i think that was especially important an important thing for kids because at school with you know a thousand other kids 80 percent of them more i don't know like haven't gone through that you you probably feel really alone so yeah i just i think camp was great to get them all together and and show them look there are people that have gone through something similar to you yeah and i think one of the healing circles because we would meet together the big buddies and like kind of debrief the yeah. night which was actually really good because i think yes. a lot of people got a lot of stuff out yes but someone said their healing circle did a really cool activity that i actually think would be really cool to incorporate but they did this thing where everyone was in a circle and their backs were facing each other so they couldn't see anyone oh, uh-huh. and then they would say a question like have you ever wondered this and i can't remember any of the statements right now but we did one similar and yeah it was just like have you ever been hurt by something someone said to you after your loved one yes. passed away? And then if have you, you ever have, yeah, go then ahead. you turn around mm-hmm. and you see when you're in the circle how many people also felt the exact same thing. Yeah. And so I think it's really comforting to be like, oh my goodness, like this is normal and this is okay. And just finding that comfort in people that get it because they've gone through very similar things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then the last thing is kind of silly, but it really is helpful. And that's just writing a letter of grief. Mm. So, you know, even if it's for, you know, whatever your expectation you thought was going to happen is not like it can be something like you thought you were going to get a new car and then something happened and you're not. Okay. Write a letter 
to the car or to whatever you yeah. need to to process that you lost something. Yeah. You lost something that was really important to you. And so it can be for something as simple as a car. It can be, you know, as big as something as a huge loss. Just allowing yourself to like actually get those thoughts out and pour it all out. And we did something similar with the bonfire. Like these kids. And then kids we burned them all together. So all these kiddos' letters to their loved ones got to like go together in the fire. Like, so yeah, it was very symbolic. And I, I love like physical things for yes. the non-physical things we have yeah yeah so i love that and yeah it was very similar to i think what you're explaining yeah yeah so the bonfire camp really illustrated that kids had the opportunity to write down some of their favorite memories whatever um and get it out and like have a tangible item that helps the healing and grieving process yeah because before we went and put them in the fire some one of the employees got up there and was chatting to us and just telling us you know about how the memorial service was going to go and um had us like fold it up and hold it in her hand on her heart and so I was like doing that like holding it as you know the program went on so I just love that like giving a physical space to to hold that memory and to have it right there close to your heart yeah loved it so that's that's mostly what I had. Do you have uh, any? I no. I think that's perfect. I think you covered everything. So, do you have any other last thoughts? Um, find um, therapist. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> I'll always advocate for mental health and Absolutely. taking care of yourself. Yeah. Same idea as physical. If you got to go to the doctor, you got to see a therapist. Yeah. That's awesome. And I love that you brought up groups because before I met you, I'd never heard of group therapy. Like I'd never really. <laughs> and I love groups. Yeah. I love running them. They're so fun. Yeah. So I think if you're wanting some services, like I was looking at UVU's website and they do group therapy. Mm-hmm. So I just think it's really cool. Um, they're very specific things. So it's really can be nice to to have that support group of someone who's going through something similar. So if you're going through something like I would also double down and encourage you to, to look into those services. Cause I'd never really heard about that before, but yeah, I just want to say thank you to grace. Thank you for preparing all that for us. I hope that everyone who either is going through grief or knows someone who is, can learn from this episode and be able to, maybe feel a little more comfortable in those situations to be able to just sit in it and be a person. Yeah. Be that safe place. Yeah. A safe place. That's great. So, okay. Thank you for listening everyone. Questions, comments, concerns are always welcome. You can submit them down below in the Q and a or DM me at four dot the talkers. So ready? Mm-hmm. Love, Love ya. ya. Thanks for listening and remember to subscribe and come back next week to listen to a new episode. Remember you matter and what you have to say matters. So join me here with For the Talkers.